Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, show number 66. When you're looking at your life, it's great to say, successful people do X. Well, what am I doing that's different? People that are financially free are doing this, this, and this. What am I doing? Okay, I need to start changing some of these things. If I want to be more financially sound, financially free, I need to understand the difference between assets and liabilities because they're buying assets. I need to understand what debt's good debt, bad debt. I need to understand why are those people doing those things? Like, forget what other people are saying. What are people that are financially sound doing? And replicate it. Hit it. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, and we have just another phenomenal deep dive interview with an amazing guest, AJ Osborne. AJ is the founder and owner of Cedar Creek Wealth, which is an investment company and a self-storage facility company that owns well over a million square feet of self-storage. He has built this up from nothing into the real estate powerhouse that it is today. He also is a businessman owning several different multi-million dollar businesses and is really just dedicated in giving back, sharing knowledge with others. He's got two different podcasts. He's an author. He has tons and tons of great content on his social media as he shares all about financial literacy, about building financial freedom and how to invest properly. AJ also has really an incredible story and one of the most inspiring stories for myself personally about how he has used his financial literacy to create the life that he lives, but also the financial security that supported his family while he was at the brink with a very rare disease that put him paralyzed for many, many months. He couldn't, he couldn't move and he shares that story with us here, which is very inspiring in itself, but he also is a very, very intelligent mind and shares a ton of knowledge and experience on economics, on the different economic cycles that we are in, and how that we can use the past as a guide for the future, how we can invest properly and what we need to do to kind of build our financial literacy and start the journey into financial freedom. I know for a fact, guys, that this interview is going to give you guys some inspiration and share just tons of knowledge as this personally was something that I gained a ton from and I feel certain that you guys will as well. I'm excited to share this conversation, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is AJ Osborne. Awesome. Well, AJ, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast. Thanks for having me on, man. 
I was, you know, you're, you're, you're one of those people that I just uh, love and I think you're awesome. So I was really excited to get on here with you and, and chat. And I love everything that you're doing both on, you know, online and you're just full of energy. So this was really exciting for me. So thank you for having me, having me on. Cool. Well, well, thank you. And, um, a little introduction about you. Obviously you're, you're an extremely successful businessman, uh, real estate mogul, uh, owner and founder of Cedar Creek Wealth, uh, with over a million square footage in, in storage units. But you're also a podcaster with two different shows, as well as an author. And and I've kind of just recently, you know, I guess not that recently, but but I've kind of heard your story. Um, and I think you've got this really unique story that has touched me probably more than almost anything out there about the reasons for um, building passive income and financial freedom. Do, do you mind kind of just sharing a little bit about your story for the past couple of years? Yeah, not at all. Um, I, yeah, you know, like you, I guess I'm pretty passionate about this kind of stuff because of like most things that we're passionate about our life experiences and things that have happened. Um, and really, you know, it comes down uh, to, I've always been interested in economics Right. Like, and when I say economics, really, I just mean like the reason we do things like money and economics are just symptoms of social um, order. The results of things that happen within society, decisions that we make and that stuff's all fun, but it wasn't really until later in my life that I became fully paralyzed to where I really felt impacts of those things differently and my mindset, um, it, I think, you know, it's kind of a paradigm shift. You know, I was hospitalized. I was on life support for months and I came out of the hospital in a wheelchair. I just had my fourth child and I was actually fired while I was in the hospital. So I'd lost my job. Um, and the importance of what I had done um, up into that point took a whole new meaning. And what I mean by that is I was actively engaged in uh, investing for more cash flow or uh, cash flow that is independent of my labor or my time. And uh, I thought that was cool and that was great and I was scaling and maybe I'd buy some new toys, something like that. You know, I just, you know, it for different reasons than after my uh, hospitalization happened that I, that I was doing it for. Um, and then after, during that time, it really became like, this is super important. Uh, and it's important on a whole nother level. And so that was when I got into podcasting and I wrote the book because I felt a very strong desire to say, listen, these things that I've learned and I've understood over the last decade of my growth, they, they need to be share, sharing because they're life changing and they're, they're important stuff. Whether you get in a situation like I was that you were um, unable to work um, because of my uh, accident, the, my what happened to me, which is called Guillain-Barre, uh, my white blood cells attacked my central nervous system and left me on life support. Um, whether it's something like that, or we just get to a time in our life where we have to retire because we're unable to work. Uh, it just really became evident to me that this is an inevitability. 
as in this will happen to every single person. Mine just happened to happen earlier for other reasons. But no matter how you look at it, everyone will get to a point where they're no longer to trade time for a wage. And uh, it was during that time that uh, particularly in the hospital, I thought, you know what, I need to start talking about this. So I started uh, I started blogging and that really like that wasn't nearly as much my thing that that um, that kind of content is podcasting. And uh, so then I started um, doing a lot more podcasting and outreaching and um, started up two different companies out of my wheelchair and um, been growing my businesses and, and uh, companies ever since. That's, that's amazing. And, and uh, there's so much of, of your story that, that I personally find extremely um, impactful and, and inspiring as far as the companies go. So I, actually there's a couple things that I want to kind of uh, unpack here a little bit. So you started investing into self-storage units, and this is back when you had a sales job and, and somewhat yes. of like a, a nine to five regular job. Then yes. you're impacted by this disease that essentially your white blood cells attack your nervous system. You go paralyzed for months. You're unable to work. Um, and then eventually you get fired. Mm-hmm. And and so coincidentally through this all, th- that investing into these storage units are kind of able to keep you afloat while you're in the hospital and keep your family kind of afloat. Yeah. What- I mean, you know, it was when I was in the hospital, it was... So I, I went into the hospital in, oh, it was end of November, first part of October, you know, and for the first time that I was able to even get the hospital was going to release me to go home was um, Christmas morning, but not for good. They were only going to let me go home for a few hours. It was my first time leaving the hospital. Wow. Um, and I was super excited about it, obviously, because I hadn't been out of the hospital in months. Um, and during there, it was, you know, I'll just never forget that moment. I'm, I'm sitting in my hospital bed. It's dark. The hospital's quiet, right? Um, except for all my machines that are always beeping and everything that, that, which I was very used to at the time. Um, but I'm looking out the window, snow's just coming down. And I was so excited to go see my children. I have four kids. One that had, that one that when I went into the hospital was four months old. And wow. I was so excited to go see them and they were going to open up their Christmas presents. And I was wondering what my wife got them. I wasn't really, you know, I, I was no longer at home. I wasn't actively engaged in, in the family things, but I was going to go get in my home. Children open up presents on Christmas morning. And I was about not having a home to go to, uh, to go to. I wasn't worried about, my children not having presents to open and I'd been fired. I didn't have an income. And that in that moment on Christmas Eve, where I knew the rest of my family, they were all out celebrating things like that. I was just by myself in the hospital. I was just so overcome with gratitude and also overcome with this sense of, wow, this really could be different. And it is life changing that, um, I was prepared in this way. Um, I, my, I wasn't losing my home. I wasn't uprooting my children when they didn't even know when their dad was going to get out of the hospital. They're traumatized as well. I didn't even get to say goodbye to my children. I mean, that I went in the hospital. I didn't see my kids for like a month and a half. And then they brought the kids in cause they didn't know if I was ever getting off tubes. So they had wow. to bring the, my children in to see their dad hooked to machines. 
which is not something anyone, you know, it's the, probably the worst thing in the entire entire experience. I was in pain the entire time. So I, I didn't sleep for weeks on end because I was riddled playing. That stuff, I would all, that's, I could live through that. I could figure that out, right? But seeing my children's face when they came in and saw their dad, who I used to be their hero. You know, I was, you know, this huge person that would protect and I could do anything in their minds, right? To, I couldn't even speak. I couldn't even eat, drink, nothing. I just lied there. People bathed me as they turned me over and took care of me. I was less than useless, right? And it was really changed the way you see things, but also this idea that even in that state, I provided for my family when I could do nothing. That is probably my greatest accomplishment in my entire life that I didn't, my, my children didn't see me in that state and be like, dad's gone. And now we're selling our house. We don't even know what our future is. And their lives just came undone, which could have scarred them in a way that they may not have been able to recover from. Um, so that's, you know, it, it's important stuff. No, I mean, it's, it's extremely important. And just hearing it again, brings up so much emotion for myself, just as, as a, a father figure myself, having a family of my own understanding that, um, I don't know if I would say burden, but that feeling of responsibility to somewhat provide for your family and, and having that uh, taken away from you, I, I would imagine is, is quite daunting. Um, and so the ability to still provide while you're in that state is incredible. Had, had you ever even thought of, of that? Obviously maybe you're not, you're not thinking, you know, you're going to get paralyzed by this super rare disease or anything like that. But when you had started investing into these storage units and, and real estate, was that kind of like, oh, I'm going to do this as like a, a life raft if something was to happen to me? Or was it more of like, hey, I've been told that this gets, you know, a, it's a pretty safe asset to invest some of my money into to create wealth, anything like that. Um, kind of how did you get into real estate, I guess, in the first place? I, I think I was lucky because I followed my father's footsteps in insurance, which we did health benefits brokerage firm. Uh, coincidentally, we deal with health insurance. Um, but I deal, dealt with selling companies health insurance. I was an insurance salesman. We did it to groups. And so we had something called residual income. That meant every single month that those companies paid their insurance, we got a piece of our clients. We were paid a commission from that. But it was not an income. So my income that I received would fluctuate depending if I sold more or if I lost groups, which this happens all the time, right? It's not, nothing is, it, you know, your clients will leave you, they go under, on and on and on. Um, it's a com very competitive industry. Uh, so because of that, I, um, and I originally started with, at a college with uh, Aflac, uh, uh, the duck company with the duck, and then a private brokerage firm where I sold small groups and tried to get them to get insurance. And then I went over and followed my dad's and worked with my dad and his brokerage firm. But I was always very intimately um, engaged in the revenue producing arm of the business. And I was very close to the ebbs and flows of revenue. 
And I was immediately impacted and affected by that. So having a standard income, which I could live off of and plan off of, was never a part of my life. Um, we lived on a fraction of what we earned because the fact that I knew if I lost one big client, 40% of my income could go away next month. That was always a constant. Um, so because of that, the idea of passive income that was set was very important to me. And I view that that was uh, you know, a huge, obviously, blessing um, because I think that what a paycheck does is it disconnects um, the employee with the economic realities of the world. And that creates this nice little bubble, but it's a false bubble. It's not true. And they find that out once they get laid off. And for me, I was lucky being on the revenue portion that I never had this comfort level of here's your one paycheck and it's always coming in. It's always standardized, right? Um, I saw the ebbs and flows. I knew what it meant. I had to earn the money. I had to go in and, in and take it. So there was never this, this um, fairy tale, as I like to think of it, around employment. That because you're employed, you don't take the risk of the business on. That is completely false. If you're an employee, you take on the risk of the business, right? Just like the business owners do, you're just first in line to get cut. And that, um, two, you don't ever find out till it happens, right? You don't even know. They're not going to talk to you about until that happens. So you actually have a huge burden on an economic risk, but you're put in a place where it's almost an illusion as if you don't. And this illusion tricks people into a false sense of security. Um, and that to me, I think is very damaging economically for people because they have no, they don't see any need to put a need into financial education. They don't even believe it's there because financial education is for the employer. I'm just here to give labor and get a paycheck, which that seems true, but the idea that it'll go on forever or that you could even have your, your labor or your wage is meaningful in a way that you think that it's meaningful. Um, these are all false um, pretenses that we live on. That this idea that, first of all, your job is going to exist in any way, shape, or form that it will in five years, you don't know that. That your company is going to be solvent, that somebody that comes along that's better than you, technology, there's a million reasons why we are not financially stable in employment, and but yet nobody prepares for this instability, um, and that's really, really damaging, not just to you as an individual, but I believe to everyone as a whole. Um, and I was fortunate to never be trapped in that bubble. Now, there's obviously downsides with that, right? It's like taking the red pill or the blue pill, right? So the you look at this economic fairy tale and you can take it, right? The matrix is just classic that we all use, right? But when Neo decided, I'm going to look the other way, right? he, he opened up his world to the horrors of what the real world was. And a lot of people don't want to see the economic, how the economic sausage is made. They just want to eat it but they don't want to know what the employer's going through. They don't want to know what's happening in the economy. They don't want to know anything like that. But then when they're fired, they're immediately thrown into the horrors of that world. Um, for me, I had always, I was never on the, you know, fairy tale pill. I'd always seen the other way. 
So I had just inherently been able to deal with ebbs and flows in income and because it was just the reality of the situation. But we shield people way, way too much. And that's a very new thing for the world. The industrial revolution is really what created this, right? And the financial institution, then financial theory that started popping up about savings and putting investments and stocks and bonds and retirement and all these things started emerging out of what I consider a fairy tale. And we have gone through in the last 10 years, this massive upset of this, this story that we tell ourselves and people as we saw, you have social, every time these long-term debt cycles disrupt the reality that we all believe we're in, causes a massive social upheaval that we're all now seeing, right? And this up, social upheaval is an awakening, that people are awakening up to the realization that, holy cow, I can get fired anytime. My debt, out, my income is tethered to something I have no control over, yet my debt latches me on forever, no matter what my income situation is going on. And I am really walking the edge of this knife, financially speaking. Um, to me, I know I can go bankrupt anytime. I'm very much aware of this because the economy, there's certain things I can't control. But the key is I don't pretend that I can. Um, and because of that, I make better financial decisions. And that's why I've been able to grow. That's why I've invested. That's why we've built in the structure that we have. And that's why I'm looking to solve problems or things that could economically hurt me because I'm, I'm aware that those things exist. I'm not buying into this fairy tale. I'm not saying that, oh, it'll all be okay. And my employer or my government is always going to take care of me. It's just a lie that we live in. And so because I didn't ever really take this philosophy or this, this idea of this fairy tale, um, I think that really prepared for me when my personal life hit the fan and when I lost everything. And when people say they lost everything, you don't know what losing everything means until you can't even bathe yourself. You can't speak. You're just a shell hooked to tubes, literally everything. And on top of that, I lost my job. Obviously, I couldn't work. <laughs> we didn't even know if I was going to leave the hospital. Um, and yet I was prepared for that, even though I unintentionally was preparing for that. I didn't know that. I, had, I was normal one day. And by normal, the day before this started to happen, I was out running. I went for a run out on a golf course, which I noticed something weird. And I'm like, man, I'm really not running very well. Um, but literally 48 hours, I was paralyzed wow. later out of the blue. We didn't even know what was happening. Doctors, nobody could figure out what was happening. This is called a black swan in financial terms. It means something happened in your life that you never saw coming and nobody could have seen coming. There's no one that would have known that 24 hours before I was normal, I would be losing my ability to breathe. I was being put into a coma and then I'd be paralyzed from the head down. Even my eyes were partially paralyzed. In the economy, we call these things about black swan. Coronavirus is an economic black swan. Black swans remind us that we are not in control, right? But once again, that idea of complete control 
um, or this fairy tale idea that you have a job, everything else like that. It, it just, it's not going to last. And it's really painful to watch when that happens to people. There's nothing worse than seeing somebody lose their job, their house. They don't know how they're going to provide their kid. Like it's horrifying. This is scary stuff that scars people and it scars families. And um, you know, that's, I, I really became passionate about why um, I, you know, my wife started a school. We own a school. We're building a high school out now and everything. One of the main tenets of this is to focus on financial education, what it means to be financially solvent, financially free, what it means to be financially in control. Um, because we, we have a system right now that is not designed in any way, shape or form to teach you any of those things. It's designed to put you into the labor market and it's designed to basically indoctrinate you to this economic fairy tale, which at this point in our cycle, right, especially in the United States, that that fairy tale's unraveling, and um, we see the effects of it. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, it, there's a lot that you just said that that I'd like to try to unpack for sure. But um, one, I couldn't agree more that that it is this. I don't know if I would use the same fairy tale terminology, but it, but it really is, and it's just almost like. Um, a falsehood where it's like a false sense of security of like, okay, well, yes. here's a job. I've got a job nine to five, whatever. I, I do that. I get a paycheck, uh, you know, once a week, twice a week, once a month, whatever your system is. And I just continue to live my life that way. But then there's this whole other economic, you know, cycle and machine that goes on. And, and, and I think you, you definitely know way more about, you know, um, economics and all that stuff th than I do. But if you research Ray Dalio and he talks about it in his books and a lot of videos and stuff like that, uh, he talks all about the long-term and short-term de debt cycles, um, which we can kind of see going on. And once you start paying more attention, it start like you, you recognize the signs that are happening, you know, within the world right now. And you're like, Oh my gosh, maybe I should be paying attention. What are, or what would maybe be like, some advice or one piece of advice that you would give to, I would say almost anyone, but, but especially young adults out there, whether they're, you know, teenagers or, or kind of in their twenties or early thirties or whatever. I mean, however you want to kind of categorize young adults. And, and I wouldn't, I mean, we can give the same advice to, to older yeah. adults too, but what, what do you think would be some of the best advice that you would give someone, um, as we're kind of moving into this possible new economic situation, but also that just wants that financial freedom that didn't learn financial literacy through the, the normal education system or anything like that. Yeah. And this is, you know, you've hit the perfect question and I, I don't want, you know, for your listeners, first of all, to feel overwhelmed. That is first of all, the killer. Like when you think of economics and business, people are actually really simple. And you need to boil it down to the basics. In fact, the more complicated you make it, the more odds that you're wrong. And I use that a lot. I am, a, you know, school was never my thing. I was the kid that skipped every day to go skiing, right? I wanted to be out backcountry skiing with my buddies, just got back out of the backcountry, right? I did not understand school. I was failing in school. I'm dyslexic. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't fit into the model. You know, I was in the class with the kids that were um, failing and also mentally handicapped. Um, that's where they put me. So there was no way, there was nothing in my life that would ever say that I was going to be, 
you know, an intelligent person or anything else like that. And so I, my, my idea of life was I was literally going to be a ski bum, which I was very happy with at the time. Um, and what I think about economically that causes problems is people make it too complicated. When I got started in real estate, all I cared about was one thing only cash flow. Did it make money? Right? Like people get off and they talk, start talking about crazy things. Like you talk about like Bitcoin and GameStop and these are all the headlines and everything like that. I'm like, forget all that. Stop, 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 stop. Go to the basics, the basics. Get financial literacy on what is debt, what is income, what are expenses. If you have a job, how does your business make money? What are you doing every single day? And how is that translating into the company you're working for? Just learn about literally where your paycheck comes from. How? How come you got a paycheck today, right? And how come you're going to get it in two years? Like this stuff may sound like, I don't want it to be like, well, this is a no-brainer, but it, it really, if you can get the basics done really, really well, you'll always be successful. When we got started in self-storage, nobody invested in self-storage, like nobody. We didn't even tell people we invested in self-storage because it was this weird asset class that everybody was making money on stocks and houses when we were investing. Everybody, this is in the early 2000s, right? All my friends were millionaires and, well, not all of them, but they were all get, make, becoming millionaires off the houses they were buying, right? And I couldn't get this to work. All my friends were telling me about how they're ma- becoming millionaires because they're investing in these houses and everything. And I just assumed, okay, I'm not smart enough to do this because I don't understand. I'm looking at buying this house. It doesn't make money. So why can't I make this work? And the, once again, it was just like, I'm just not smart enough. So we're going to buy this little teeny storage facility and we're just going to have sell out a bunch of these doors that are on cement floors because people want to put it, but I'll buy it for $300,000 and it will make me a 10% return off my $100,000, which means it would make me you know, over $10,000 a year. Well, that makes me money. I understand that. So we just bought storage facilities. And then obviously um, the bubbles burst. You had the dot-com bubble, then you had the housing bubble. Um, and we weren't affected by that bubble because we had cash flowing assets. And this thing on equity and trading debt, I didn't understand any of that. I didn't need to, right? And it was the basic things that saved me, my family, allowed me to scale. Um, I, I, I'm just not, if I have to be super intelligent to do it, I probably shouldn't be doing this. You know, I'm not Elon Musk. I'm not, you know, nobody, it's just, I don't understand those things. And two, the more complicated it is, the more luck is driven. And you don't need to be like that. You don't need to think you understand Bitcoin or something like None of that is necessary to become financially free. That's the first thing you have to understand. Financial freedom and financial literacy is actually very simple. And the fact that we weren't taught it in grade school, right, doesn't mean that you can't learn it today. You should literally start picking up books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, just basic books to understand the economy. Like you should understand basic principles, inflation, deflation, what debt is good, what is it bad? Why does it make it good? Why does it make it bad? What is supply and demand? These really, really basic things that too, you also need to understand economics should be very intuitive, right? It should be very simple. 
in understanding. And if it's not, just don't do it. Because I understand I have a product, somebody needs it. It costs me $10 to make, right? Somebody will buy it for $20. Okay. Can I build a business out of this? What all has to go into it? Are there actual people that buy it, right? You need to keep those things super, super simple and you don't need to do anything new. I don't do, I, I mean, I sell insurance. Literally I'm selling insurance policies. I was going, you know, door to door and investing in cement floors that people would put their stuff in. Um, I, you know, I've got another company that sells cups online that, you know, bought it for 200,000. It's now worth, you know, a year later, a few million dollars. And we really didn't even change anything. It was just wow. the person that had it wasn't running ads and they didn't do a very good job listing it on Amazon. That's all we did. And so if you find things that exist with the basics, you can become an entrepreneur or you can become an investor. Or if you just understand investing and understand some principles, invest with other people to become financially free, right? So really that's my advice. First of all, don't let it scare you because it's not scary. It's crazy what I see like doctors or like scientists or like really smart people being like, oh, this is too complicated. I'm like, what? You know, and it, it, people, we have these, and I think the reason is, is like insurance, you know, we use like different lingo, right? Talk about deductibles and co-insurance. And it's like, we have to make up words, right? Where if you just boil it down to the really simplest part and don't use that lingo, finance is the same way. Just don't let the lingo scare you. Boil it down to the basics and start under understanding about your money, saving, why you're saving. You should save to invest, nothing else, because inflation erodes away your money. And if you're investing, what are you investing in and why? And what are your expectations? Do you want to become financially free? What's your freedom number, right? Do you need 4,000 a month to live on or do you need 10,000 a month? And if you invested in a certain way, how much money would you need to invest? How long would it take? If you want to become an entrepreneur, learn the basics of that and learn how you can get successful, right? Um, and I think if, as long as you keep it basic and just make a simple formula and just keep learning education all the time, read books, listen to podcasts, like, you know, any podcast, this podcast, other podcasts that can help you out. Um, I listen to books and podcasts daily, every day still. Um, cause it's unlimited the, the opportunity that's out there. And that's what you really need to understand. I mean, it's amazing how many people have either investments or businesses that they're getting the simple things wrong and it's tanking their businesses. And it's like, you know, I literally ask them, I'm like, well, did you pay your employees? Do your customers pay you? And the answer is no. And you're going, well, if your customers don't pay you, you can't make money. And so we would buy it and we would just make sure the customers would pay us. And all of a sudden it was a profitable business. Um, I keep it simple. I really think that's the best advice. That's amazing. There's, there's a lot of things throughout that, but, but essentially the gist that I think, um, everybody should be doing. I love what you say. Keep it simple, get educated, read, listen to podcasts, learn the basics. Um, even what is, uh, um, what is an asset? What is a liability? I mean, those are two, two things that are, that are massive as well that, um, I think some people don't fully understand exactly. No. How do you make money? Where are you spending your money? Um, all these things are, are great points. Well, and this too, like you said, understanding these different things, this will help you build a framework of understanding how the world works. That's why the stuff too is so interesting for me because everybody's a part, whether they like it or not they have all these huge questions and we see this in like political problems and all sorts of stuff. 
where a vast majority of the people don't understand the basics of how the world works. And that shows up in financial transactions because money, which is an intangible, it's nothing, but it's what we've uh, decided to um, trade value, right? That's all. And so that's how we get products, goods, and services, right? You keep it basic, keep it simple. But it's this aspect that makes us see and can measure all the decisions that people are making. So like I say, I don't care what anybody tells me, right? Show me how they live their life financially, and you'll know everything about that person. Because it's what they're doing that matters, not what they're saying. It's what they're doing. And economics simply measures that. And so when you're looking at your life, it's great to say, successful people do X. Well, what am I doing that's different? People that are financially free are doing this, this, and this. What am I doing? Okay, I need to start changing some of these things. If I want to be more financially sound and financially free, I need to understand the difference between assets and liabilities because they're buying assets. I need to understand what debt's good debt, bad debt. I need to understand why are those people doing those things? Like, forget what other people are saying. What are people that are financially sound doing? And replicate it. It's, it's that easy, really, because the, the interesting thing, and, and I personally found this uh, in my own journey, because this is something that, that I don't know, I kind of stumbled upon a couple of years back, actually right around when I had my second uh, child, where I was like, man, I've got to figure out this whole finance thing, like this whole financial freedom and, and wealth creation and stuff like that. And, and for me, it was pretty easy. You look up all the people who have been successful in the past and you just do what they do. And and it really, it sounds almost like humorously simple, but it's that easy. You just like look up, there's tons of examples out there. If you wanna go in stocks, like go look up uh, Warren Buffett. If you wanna like look into real estate, there's there's a flurry of of examples there. If you wanna go into, you know, gold or, or assets or crops or like, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can go about it. Find someone that that you like the route that they picked and and mirror or duplicate what they've done. Because there's many people out there that have that have paved the road before you. Hundred percent. It's you know, the internet is full of free information. It's not rocket science. And two, it's not all new. And that's important to remember. The way people get wealthy, the way people become financially free is the same way they've been doing it for hundreds of years. This is not something like, oh, well, people are wealthy once again because they just bought Bitcoin. That's not true. That's not how it works. Financial principles are evergreen, everlasting principles. You just need to replicate them, what people have already been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years, and the outcome will be the same. It doesn't matter what happens in the economy. Wealth building principles do not change. That's amazing. So, so you, we've kind of gone off a, on a on a full tangent about financial freedom and, and wealth creation, which is awesome. But you have created your your own business, which has been wildly successful, um, and you're making some serious cash with with Cedar Creek Wealth. Um, you own, you know, tons and tons of storage units and millions of square feet. Though you've done something else, which I find really interesting because most people would be like, you just write it off as like, sweet, I'm successful. I've, you know, created hundreds of million dollars with this, with this business. This is awesome. But you have gone beyond that and you have really built this personal brand 
and you've gone, you've got two different podcasts, you've written your book, you, you post a ton about financial literacy and investing all over your social media. And, and now I wasn't even aware, but you're building this school talking about financial literacy. Where do you, or I guess, why do you see um, the importance of building a personal brand? And, and is that tied into kind of your mission of, of giving back as well? Or kind of explain where the personal branding um, comes into play with all of this? Yeah. So when you look at this comes back down to some things you need to remember about wealth and success is it never happens on an island. That is, we, we have this story of, a, you know, the entrepreneur, Steve Jobs, he was alone in his basement and, or his garage and him and his one buddy all of a sudden whipped up an Apple computer and then they became billionaires out of their garage, right? That is so false. It's not even funny. It took thousands and tens of thousands of people. It took, it took venture capitalist companies. It took leaders. It took engineers from everywhere trying and failing to build what eventually became this huge company, right? And the point of it is, it's not that one person was for some reason a genius. That's not how it happens. And people that try to become successful on their own fail on their own. And for me, that is a very everlasting fundamental principle. I need help. I need other people. And that's literally how the economy works. It's by connecting. It's by serving. It's by helping other people out. The economy is not a zero-sum game. It doesn't matter what the newspapers say. If one person gets rich, it's not taking from another person. That's not how the economy works. You can only, only become wealthy by helping or producing something that somebody wants. And the more people you help, the more people you connect with, and the more people that help you, the more successful you become. And so for me, building a personal brand was twofold. It was first to help others without any expectation of anything in return. Because I always believe that that comes back full circle, but I'm not talking about in rewards. I mean, that creates opportunities for me to learn, to better myself, and to have no expectation. It just helps people, right? I, I really do believe that. Then second of all, it helps me network. It helps me understand who will be great to have on my journey, people that I can hire, people that I can partner with people that will be able to help me in my mission, right? Well, the only way to connect with more people is to build a personal brand. Building a personal brand opens up doors and opportunities. Doors and opportunities come from other people, right? They come from this network effect. And in today's age, there has never been a better time to grow a network ever. This idea that there is this upper rich class that is exclusive, right? Meeting in some room somewhere, right? That's gone, that doesn't exist anymore because we all have the opportunity to connect through social media and all the wealth that is being created in the last like 20 years is because of this networking effect. So this is a wonderful time and era to build your personal brand, to connect, to help, and to create opportunity for everyone involved. Impact is one of my core tenets. So I have three core tenets that I believe in. I believe in impact, freedom, and progress. It's what all my companies are based on. We need to make an impact. We need to create freedom for us, our employees, and our investors, and our customers. And then we also 
we also need to have progress. These three things. So every time, how I judge my success is not a monetary thing. I judge success by this year. Are we doing better than we were last year? Are we progressing as a company? And what is the rate at which we're progressing? Can we progress faster? Can we do more? And the answer is always yes. So the answer is what resources do we need to progress? What resources do we need to create freedom? What resources do we need to make an impact? And those are the things that I, that I really focus on. And having a personal brand, getting yourself out there, it tells the world what you're all about. It tells the world what you're trying to accomplish. And then the world brings back all those things and people that you need to accomplish your task. If you have dreams though, and you don't tell anybody and you just sit quietly and you don't take the risk of being wrong or embarrassing yourself or something else through a personal brand, well, then there's no way the world can give you anything that you need or desire because nobody knows, right? So building a personal brand is really a way for you to get what your uh, what your goals are out there and start networking and finding people that you can help and finding people that can help you. So personal brand to me is a massive networking thing. And it's been, you know, it's something I, I didn't ever do before. Um, and after, you know, I got out of the hospital, I decided, Hey, we need to talk about this more. I need to help other people. And so I went that way just to put out, and I did it at a massive, I mean, it, I spent a lot of money blogging, doing all this stuff. It was purely just to get this information out because I believe that I owed it to the world, right? After what I've been through. Um, and that really started opening up doors and opportunities. I now have business partners. I've met you, you know, and all these things that I've uh, been able to do and learn. And that's just through being able to network and, and being known. Um, so it's a very strategic thing to do today. And especially when you believe you have nothing. Well, you don't. You have access to social media, which is greater access than anybody else has ever had in the history of the world to talk and to create opportunity. So it's never been easier to become wealthy. It's never been easier to connect with people that can help. And it's never been easier to help others. I love that. And I love how how you make sure that it's a key point to help others as well. Cause, cause I truly agree with that. And, and I think you said it earlier and, and I would just like to emphasize it some more too, that the more that you give to the world and, and give without looking for anything in return, I feel that the more the world just gives back to you and that it's almost this like, I, I don't know if it's karma or what, but it's like the, the more that you just give out, um, and, and just purely to give purely to help the more that I feel like the world just gives back to you tenfold. Uh, it's, it truly is a, an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, you know, when you look at it and that's how, you know, the school that we started out, um, there is, we are all connected. There is no way if you truly understand how people and the economy work, there is no winner takes all system, Right. That, that the winner-take-all system led to the Dark Ages, which ended up hurting all the winners, right? These, you know, kings or these leaders that would just basically enslave everyone, all that stuff. That always fails. Always. And it always will. Because winners-take-all systems can't function. Because we are all connected. That means if one person loses, even the winner eventually loses. So... If you realize how connected we truly are, you'll realize by lifting others up, you're only lifting yourself up. Now that that is amazing. I think it's 
I don't know if it's Warren Buffett or who, but it's it's a little bit different. But the the quote that a rising tide lifts all boats, um, and it's yes. it's I think put in a different context, but it's the same thing that by helping others and continually to help others, you're really just lifting everybody up at the same time, um, which will in turn lift you up as well. AJ, this has been truly amazing, and and I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, So I'm going to move us on into the next part of the show that I call the fire round. But before we jump into our fire round, I just want to take a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozen of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects the seller with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 plus, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. And just fire a couple questions off at you. Um, AJ, do you have uh, a favorite quote that you live by? Um. You know, a favorite quote that I live by, uh, I don't think that I have one. I think I have lots of them. Um, but there's, you know, the I think more of a motto that I live by. And that comes back to this uh, impact, freedom, and progress. And if I can live by those that motto and wake up every day to work hard on those things, that that is kind of like my guiding star, so to speak, my North star. That's amazing. I love that. And, and it, it's good to have that, to to have that North star, to, to have something to point you in the right direction, especially when it's, you know, when it's dark or when you're feeling somewhat lost or maybe, you know, something goes wrong to have that North star to go back onto. It truly is amazing. Um, what might be a lesson that you've learned recently, whether it's through success or failure? Yeah. Um, successes are not great teachers for a few reasons. I, I think one of the reasons success is not a great teacher is we may correlate success to our own self, and that may not be correct. But failure, I tend, usually follows you it's like that was more your mistakes and things that you could pull out of learn from. Um, and I've had lots of those. So, you know, one of my greatest failures almost tanked me completely in my family and my businesses. And that, that really the lesson that I learned, it was an acquisition that went south. We ended up in lawsuits. It was really bad. The guy totally defrauded or frauded us. And, um, really though, at the end of the day, I was to blame because I signed a contract I shouldn't have signed. And when I look at it, what, what happened, it was really because of my pride and ego and my pride and my ego, um, and greed got me into trouble. I did things that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, and that was one of the 
great lessons that I learned was how really pride gets us in more trouble than anything. It stops us from doing things we should be doing. And then we do things that we shouldn't be doing. Um, and it, it's, it's self-centered and it's corrosive in nature. Um, and I've got to check that all the time. Um, it's constant with all of us. If you don't think it is, then you're, you probably have more of it than anybody, right? And so you need to be able to sit back and set up more of strategic decision-making that isn't because you're shooting from the hip and it's because I think that I'm great or I think I'll be successful or two, that you're self-loathing and think, oh, I can't have this, right? Or I can't do it, which is also a form of pride. It's a form of selfishness. It's self-indulgement. All you think about is yourself. And for some reason, you're different from everybody else, right? So no matter which side of the scale it's at, it just kills your ability to be successful. And so creating more of an analytical approach to saying, listen, here are the things that work. Here are the things that don't work. How do I measure it? And if I do these things, right, I have the odds. And two, if I fail, it doesn't mean that I'm bad. It doesn't mean that I'm a terrible person. It doesn't mean that uh, I'm stupid. It means that I made a mistake and I need to learn from it, correct it, and keep moving. Wow. That's, uh, there's a whole bunch of nuggets of gold right in there alone. And, and I think the ego is, is something that we all probably struggle with. I definitely know that, that I struggle with it. And, um, Ironically, I was I was interviewing a monk uh, earlier this morning, and it was a lot the same. Where we were talking about how you know having to check that ego and 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 make sure that that doesn't get us out of line because the ego itself can get us in a lot of trouble. Um, AJ, if you could go back in time to any time in your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what might it be? Um, you know, I think when you're younger, um. There's so much angst in feeling that you need to be something, feeling that you need to achieve certain things, um, which isn't entirely bad, right? That can force you to do better things. It can force you to um, change, which is good, right? Those are good things. Stress and anxiety, they're not inherently bad, right? Like they can really cause you to do great things. If I have anxiety when I'm in the back country and I have anxiety about avalanches, that means I'm checking our avalanche beacons. We're making sure that our batteries are all locked in. We have our probes, our shovels. We're making good precautions. Like, those are all good things. And that's caused by stress and angst. But there is a point where stress and angst um, take over and they cloud the mind. And I think that it's like, you know, I'd say sit back. It's not all that important, take it more lightly and you'll be able to move, um, better, faster and make more progress. Um, don't take yourself so seriously because you know, you don't need to be the coolest, hottest thing around and you're not going to be, and you never will. So forget about that and, uh, make good decisions, move forward and things that can impact your life and the life of others. That's, that's amazing. Um, this, I, I have gotten so much knowledge out of this conversation myself. AJ, this has been super cool. Um, if, if any of my listeners out there want to connect with you, what might be the best way for, for them to reach out to you? So Instagram, AJ Osborne, you can uh, DM me there. I'm on Twitter. Um, and I think it's AJ Osborne four. Um, and then two, you can go to 
ajosborne.com. I think it's still branded cash flow to freedom. We're changing the brand or self storage income.com, either one of those. Um, and there's direct contact links that can email me. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so very much for sharing that. AJ, final question for you. What is your definition of awesome? Oh, wow. My, my de definition of awesome is definitely my children. If you knew them, they are awesome. <laughs> um, I, I think my definition of awesome would be someone that has found that magical place of um, overcoming all accomplishing great and amazing things while understanding that they're nothing and being okay with that being, you, you know what I mean? Like I, the understanding, there's just some people out there that are just like, listen, I don't take myself too seriously. Seriously. I know inherently I'm awesome because all human beings are awesome. And because I'm a human being, I have infinite potential just like everyone else. So it doesn't being awesome. Doesn't mean that you have to suck. That's not it. And people that get that you just tend to be awesome. They're awesome at everything they do. They're awesome to be around. They're just awesome human beings. That is awesome. And, and actually I totally, I lied that saying that that was the last question. This you, you've inspired me for, for one final question, AJ, and this one's kind of a doozy. Um, and I'm going to rephrase this a little bit because I'm very interested. I, I think you've got a very powerful mind and I just love the way that you think at things. If today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done up to now was erased, your books, your podcasts, uh, your school, all of your investments, everything was gone and you were left with a piece of paper and a pen and you could write down three truths that you would leave for your children or your family, what would those three truths be? Um, the first truth would be that um, I love them that's a truth that's eternal will never end and stop no matter what they do no matter what i do the second truth would be that um anything can do and become anything um but they can't do uh, become or have everything um you need to pick who you are and then the third truth is um i think that what we do and who we become um, and how we help others. So our, our, you know, the other human beings on the planet is a reflection of our inner self. And that, you know, the old scripture advert doing to others as you would have done unto you um, is an eternal truth. And that is the measure of a man and a woman. And it's how we treat others and what we do for them. That is amazing. AJ, thank you so very much for your time. Thank you for all of your insight and your knowledge. You've definitely dropped um, some serious nuggets of gold throughout this conversation. And for anybody out there listening, I would be certain to say that you guys got some knowledge and inspiration out of this. And hopefully you take some of this encouragement to go search into um, financial literacy and financial freedom for yourself. If you guys are interested, check out AJ's company, Cedar Creek. Very, very cool. I'm actually doing an internship with them now. That's totally side from this and, and unrelated, but, um, I'm learning a ton as well from AJ and this has just been 
very, very much uh, a learning experience for me as well. So thank you, AJ. And for anybody out there that did get value and knowledge out of this, please, if you guys could just share it with one person as we try to build our community and our collective as a whole, share it out with one person, a family member, a friend, or throw it up on your social media as it would be greatly appreciated. And just the the way that we share this positive positivity and share this message to the world. So Thank you all for doing that. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.